the constant theme is when are things going to go back to normal? And I saw a, a great quote the other day, and it was unattributed, but I'm going to use it anyway. Uh, being an adult means constantly saying next week things will get back to normal. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else close the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode. Uh, it always sounds like I'm pushing it with the exciting thing. Uh, sort of exciting, we should be exciting, episode of the Personal Wealth Coach, where we tend to dazzle you with the dreary science. This is the Personal Wealth Coach. Uh, this is Jake McClure, and I am uh, in the process of calling Jeff McClure back. Uh, I'm back. You're back, and you sound very clear and intelligible, which is strange. So Jake and Jeff McClure yeah, it, are here. It's strange even when I'm in person. To be intelligible? I agree. Yes. That's the point. It's like you're on the phone. It's, it's uh, the, the, the fact that our voices sound clear and intelligible is a bit of a miracle as if you could hear what's happening inside our brains at any given moment. Uh, this is the Personal Wealth Coach, and we are going to be talking about economics, finance, your portfolio, the portfolio of the nation and uh, of the world. And hopefully we'll do it in some sort of way to keep you entertained and not falling asleep. Um, though, if you like to use us as a cure for insomnia, I believe that we could get a dual acceptance by uh, the FDA on that. If, if we can start writing prescriptions as you're having insomnia, just listen to the personal wealth coach for a while. Should be We've fine. Got podcasts. We've got podcasts they can listen to. Yeah. Yeah. And listen to our melodious voices droning on about drivel for two hours. It should put anyone to sleep. So welcome to the program. We, we are our own uh, best advocates for how popular we should be. Maybe. We've got to have some disclosures before we start talking about other stuff, though. Important things. Um, important things. Yes, yes, important things. Like what? What is an important like, thing? Like the Personal Wealth Coach is also a registered investment advisory firm in Salado, Texas. Not only the name of the radio show. Right. It's registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission, which is in no way implying that they've somehow approved the firm. Because the SEC doesn't approve stuff. It doesn't, that's, that does not compute. That's just the uh, supervisors, the regulatory oversight, um, the people that would uh, yank our leashes if we uh, went straying too far. Uh, so what else should we say about us? So we're not paying for this radio program. Um, the studio does not pay us either. We've been doing this program for free since 1997. Um, they haven't been paying us, and we haven't been paying them together through, what are we at now Now for the studio? Four or five different owners? I lost count some time ago. So, the, yeah, so we've, we have spanned the, the time period. I don't think there are any programs that were playing when we started playing on this station Besides us that are still here. Let's put it like this. Lynn Willie owned the station when we 
when we first, when I started when I first started before right. you came on board. Well, I would ninety eight. He still owned it, I think, too. He sold it not long after that. And when when we started at the studio, it had a a big, very grand um, room with windows on all sides that went into other rooms where other people had microphones and would whisper into the microphones to us in our headset. And um, there were ticker tape. Uh, news dispensers in the back and if there was a big news event it would go in the background and we would go oh news coming in what is that well it wasn't actually ticker tape but it was teletype it was teletype yeah not ticker tape that that's uh much thinner but you could actually hear it typing uh when the news came in it was not like a fax machine or you could actually hear the the physical pieces of the typewriter automatically typing this great technology uh when the news came in it would go and so we've been doing this for a while for free which is i think another form of insanity here we are uh, why have we been doing this well we're not getting paid and the studio is not getting paid we're both the studio and we are paying for advertisements for the program on the station and again, why? Well, one thing is it helps us communicate with our clients. They hear us and that's cool. So we've got an ulterior, uh, ulterior motive out there too. But the main reason why we're doing this is strictly to give back some education. We made a decision a long time ago saying that the American public was sorely lacking in the ability to make decisions in their, in their own finances. So we've been doing it for a while. Which is a nice segue into the fact that the information we present on this educational program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. But we will guarantee that the information we don't give is incomplete. That's the only guarantee that we generally give. If we didn't say it, then we didn't completely say it for sure. There. You could say nothing, and that would be the end. that would be nothing. Yes. The other piece of disclosure is that as a firm, when we're not on the air, we give investment advice, and that's got a legal terminology. It's supposed to be fiduciary, where we need to know the client really well and have to put their their interest way, way, way out there in, at the beginning of everything. Their sole interest is the whole idea. Um, we can't do that on the radio because we don't know you all. We might know one of you, or we might know part of you. Which part we know is... Your nose? I don't know. Uh, where hey, am I and, going? But so this is education, not advice. And if you'd like to join with us today, you're certainly welcome to send us an email at either Jeff at tpwc.com or Jake at tpwc.com. Or preferably and both. You, yeah, send it to both of us. We, One of us might be asleep when it comes in. And you can send us an email and we'll answer on the air. Yes. Uh, and, unless Our, it's totally obscene and then... Then we'll read or, it and, and chuckle to ourselves. Or on the internet. Uh, on the air is probably not appropriate if you, someone's listening on the internet. Well, they've probably got Wi-Fi. Or maybe Could be. they're Could 5G. Be. So it is on the air. It's not like we're not on the air. It's just different air. Wait, same air, just different frequencies? Yeah. Let's get into wave theory. No. No, let's talk about economics. Oh, he's waving, waving at me. At you. That's wave yeah. theory. Yeah. So what happened in the market this week? Well, the S&P 500, which is the one we track, is the index most representative of the stock market that people can generally access. It was very optimistic. It rose 1.67% for the week. 
to 43.52.34. And interestingly enough, most of that gain occurred in the last two days of the week, which was the first two days of the new quarter and half of the year. New quarter Indexes. and half? I like yes. how you combined that. Like, well, you it's do true. two the calculations third, at the same time. I do that, yes. Index is now up 15.87% year to date and a whopping 95% from its low in March 2020. 95% up from a year and three months ago. When you were thinking about bailing out of the market, if you were thinking about bailing out of the market in March of last year, when everybody was saying the market was going to go to zero, well, everybody wasn't saying it, but there certainly were news media reports saying the great bear market is upon us. The end of the world is nigh. Um, Imminent doom. If you, if you can't afford it, get out or something, because we certainly got a lot of calls from people who were, who were concerned, who were just flat scared and didn't want to lose all their money. It is almost doubled uh, when it hits not a five percent more rise in the in the S and P five hundred, and it will have doubled from its bottom, uh, which uh, is pretty significant. I, I we take a little bit or more, a lot of pride in that the vast majority that call, of people that called us a little over a year ago, terrified about this, were not clients because we spend a lot of time talking to our clients about the history of the market and that downturns are real they happen and they happen generally when you don't expect them to so just be prepared that downturns are going to be there and and the long-term return of the market is predicated if you want that return then you have to stick it out through the downturns well people are pretty happy now to the best of my knowledge we did not have a single client bailout you are you're correct we we had zero clients bailout you know people sometimes come to us and they and we see that they've had a really really good rise in their portfolio over many years and sometimes when they've been our clients they think it's profound thank us found profoundly for that and that's good but it's really not us i mean sure we do what we can we do what the science says to do it's mostly them it's mostly the investor who doesn't bail out in the down market because the only reason markets go down is people are selling stock and the further down the markets go, the more stocks are being sold and the more people are selling the stocks. And then right at the bottom, there's something called capitulation. When the market just drops like a rock, that's when the final holdouts that are going to sell do sell. And they're the ones who wind up crying in their beer or wine or soda or whatever it is they choose to cry into. Uh, tissues. Most people prefer oh. to cry into tissues. Those that cry into their drinks are, I don't know, they lacking in salt? I don't know why would they do that. But there's a reason we're bringing this up. The reason we're bringing this up. By the way, the U, the S&P 500 just had seven straight days of record returns. That's the first time it's done that since 1997. It well, that broke doesn't a record seem that, seven. Yeah, that doesn't seem that long ago to me. And then I realized, whoa, that's that's like 24 like years. Cent, like a quarter of a century ago, that's wow. all. Wow, that is long ago. But the point is, this market... Strictly looking at the market, not looking at the economy, is behaving an awful lot like the late 1990s. Yeah. And it's good to remember that right in the middle of that, in 1998, there was a major correction. Actually, it could have qualified as a bear market, but people didn't pay much attention to it. And it had when to the, do with, with currency collapses in other parts of right. the world. It's called the Asian contagion, if you want to look it up. The ruble collapsed. Russia defaulted on its debts. Uh, the bot, which I initially thought was the yacht. It is the bot. In Indonesia. It's it not Indonesia. It, it is, is Thailand. It? 
Anyway, wherever the bot is, I thought it was yachts. And when you have when your currency is denominated in yachts, you got too much money. Right. Yes. Um, but a lot of currencies in Southeast Asia collapsed. Could that happen again? Absolutely. There, there's actually a good book on that subject. It's called When Genius Failed. Uh, and I won't go too deep into it because we're still talking about the market. But could that happen again? Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, the Delta variant could cause something very much like that to happen right now. We're seeing articles in the Wall Street Journal and other places. We're kind of off the markets a little bit, but we'll get back to them. We're seeing articles in the Wall Street Journal and other places that are warning that there's undue stresses being levied upon developing nations. And that would include some of the nations that where the currency collapsed. And the stresses are because we're doing, the United States is doing so well and we're buying so much stuff. That's an economic term that otherwise is referred to as goods from these nations that their economies are starting to overheat, even though their economies haven't done the export side of their economies is overheating tremendously causing inflation in their economy, even though the rest of the economy is in bad shape because of COVID. And so they're starting to raise interest rates. And frankly, in many cases, I don't think they know what they're doing anywhere near as well as the U.S. Federal Reserve does. No. So we, if, there's in, if there's structural instability out there, it's liable to show up at some point. The point I want to make, and I think it's very important, is I was looking back through time, and I couldn't find a case where the market had doubled in value from a bottom without a correction. Now, there may be some out there that I just missed. There probably is one or two, but it's pretty rare to say the least that we go we, when the market doubles in value without a correction. The correction can come because of almost anything. Uh, and by the way, corrections are good things. There's a lot of worry going on out there, a lot of fear in the market, which generates the correction event. But that's what bull markets do. They have corrections. And that's part of the price of getting the high returns that we've become used to. And we can go on about high returns. Anyway, let's talk about the market and then we'll come back. This, there's all kinds of good pieces of information we're going to talk about on that subject later in the, in the episode. We mentioned this in the newsletter, but is, the question is always there, is the stock market overpriced? There's a theory, Dr. Yardini came up with it as far as I know, that as long as the yield on the S&P 500 earnings is higher than the yield on the 10-year Treasury note, the market is not overvalued. Well, the yield on the 10-year Treasury note is 1.437%. The yield on the S&P 500, if you take the earnings, the profits of the companies, and you say that's the yield, is 5% based on estimated earnings going forward. That means the stock market is not overpriced. Matter of fact, technically, it would be underpriced. Now, what could cause it? The reverse, well, interest rates could go up a lot, which is a lot of people are afraid of. Even even the the dividend payout on the S and P five hundred is one point three three percent, which is pretty darn good. If, you, if you've been to the bank recently and tried to see what interest rates you can get there, so the S and P five hundred is really in pretty good shape. Now, the other index we followed, the CRSP mid cap value index, actually was down zero point zero one percent. Basically, went sideways for the week, but it's still up. It's up 19% for the year. So if you have a mid-cap value, to give you an example, if you have mid-cap value in your portfolio and you notice it didn't go up this week, well, the S&P 500 did. That's because it doesn't have any large-cap growth. And the large-cap growth is once again leading the S&P 500 higher for the week. 10-year Tino, we mentioned 1.437%, and it's been falling. The, enter- the yield on the 10-year T-note has been falling for a couple of months now. And some news articles that I've read 
suggests that means maybe the economy is not growing as fast as we thought it was. Not true. Not true. Uh, what happens is when the price of a bond goes up, the yield goes down. And vice versa. Yield goes, and vice versa. And there's a lot of people buying 10-year treasury bonds right now. A lot of people around the world are buying 10-year treasury bonds. Why? Well, let me give you an example. The next most secure bond after the 10-year treasury bond is the 10-year Bund in Germany. And it yields a negative rate of return to maturity. So you're basically so, paying Germany to let them lo so let you loan them money for 10 years. Yeah, here. I will pay you some interest so that you can use my money for 10 years. Like that that seems backwards, which is why so, the 10-year treasury note in the US is getting so much um external money right now. The other thing is and this is important. The Treasury, believe it or not, is not issuing much in the way of 10-year Treasury notes at this point. Why? Because there's a debt ceiling coming up, and they're drawing down their reserves from other places out of the Federal Reserve and other places so they don't have to, so they don't have to issue debt and trying to get themselves inside the debt ceiling before it comes up before Congress and conceivably locks them out. It's pretty complex, but the bottom line to it is the lowering of yield on the 10-year T-note is not an indication that the economy is not doing well. As a matter of fact, it's a simple thing to look at. If you uh, The yield on the 10-year Treasury note, if you, if you do espouse that theory, that if interest rates rise on the 10-year Treasury note, that means the economy is going to do well. And you look back to the beginning of the year, which is a short, relatively short period of time, six months back, the yield is up 56%. And if you believe that your rising yield in the 10-year Treasury indicates the economy is going to do well, as, as we put in the newsletter, fasten your seatbelts because the economy is about to go gangbusters. A 56% rise in yield on the S&P 500, not the S&P 500, but on the 10-year uh, T-note is pretty astonishing. So actually, we're in pretty good shape. Russ checks this intermediate crew, the other, one of the other uh, indexes that we follow as a predictor, rose 1.45% to $75.07 a barrel. That means gas prices are going to go up, but if you look at the fact that the reason it's rising is because of increased demand, yeah, that's pretty important. Now, there's a peculiarity here. To get geeky here for just a second, in case you got too excited about all the things I was talking about, the November contract for West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil is $72 a barrel. That's called contango if you really want to know some weird stuff. That means yeah. the further out the contract gets, the cheaper it gets. Why? Well, because the investors in these contracts are so strongly suspect that at $75 a barrel, there's going to be much more drilling and much more oil production go on in the oil patch. Right now, they've been kind of slow to pick up for good reason because they got burned. Yeah. That's not a good thing to say around an oil o patch. OPEC, OPEC just wrapped up their meeting yesterday. Um, and for those of you that don't know who OPEC is, uh, they're the group of petroleum exporting countries. Uh, in fact, that's what OPEC means, Organization of Petroleum Exporting Co Countries, uh, headed by Saudi Arabia, occasionally uh, in alliance with Russia. And they wrapped up their meeting uh, without increasing output. They're still we locked. To join. What's that? We ought to join OPEC because we're now a petroleum exporting country. We are. We're the one of the largest exporters of petroleum. We're, we're not the largest, but one of the largest, and we're definitely the, the largest producer of petroleum. We just use a lot of our own. Uh, we should join them. 
But uh, they don't really, the reason why they exist is to counterbalance us. So because we have the biggest impact on the price of oil. So what happened? Why, isn't, why am I bringing up OPEC right in the middle of this? They, they wrapped up their meeting without increasing output. They're still locked in the same amount. Every member of OPEC, except for the United Arab Emirates, said, let's increase output. The UAE said, no. And if you look at what's going on in the politics of OPEC, you'll see that this is just them wanting some concessions on some completely different areas of their diplomatic relations with these other countries. So I would expect there to be a statement in the not too far distant future from OPEC saying we're going to be producing more. Russia and Saudi Arabia both said let's increase production by 400,000 barrels a day. And that's each place. That's not total. So that's coming. Yeah, they're going to be producing more because the prices are up and they've just been through a really tough period. The pandemic was very hard on oil and gas, extremely hard on Saudi Arabia and Russia because they entered into a price war right at the beginning of the pandemic and both of them are still suffering. So both of them were going to the rest of OPEC saying, you know, that tussle we had, well, now we're asking us all to cooperate together and l let's start healing these black eyes that we gave each other. So that's just a heads up. Expect prices at the pump to go up a bit more throughout the summer. But this is really good news for the frackers because they're coming back online. You mentioned this uh, just in passing that they've been kind of slow to step up production again because they got burned so bad last year. Well, they're stepping up production now which means that a lot of the frackers are going to be back into a place where they feel like they're not about to go bankrupt. Pretty nice. Yep. Well, they're a little slow, they're a little slow to expand. The Baker Hughes rig count was not up significantly over no. the week. No, and, and it's going to probably take a while because it's easier to start up a fracking operation than a traditional oil well. But you still have to go out there with a crew of people. And believe it or not, it's hard to find people to hire right now. Thank you very much for listening, if you have. If you haven't, then no thanks to you. Um, yeah. If you'd like to talk to us off the air, we have voicemail waiting locally during the week at... 254-947-1111. Uh, real live people during the week, voicemail during the weekend, and that is also 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to the webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. You can email us through there, contact us through there, podcasts, newsletters, all that good stuff. Until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.